Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I am Emma Bajinski and today I am talking to the fantastic Amy Bonsale. We're talking about how her desire for community and support through her PhD project led to the creation of a truly awesome resource and support for other academics. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Amy. Hi, Emma. It is so lovely to meet you. And um, we're already talking about meeting again. So that's good. That's a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So thank you so much for your time and for being here. I know you are super busy. And um, I also know that you have got a great story to share. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to um, explore that with you. Um, we're going to start the way we always start in terms of telling us a little bit about your PhD journey into it and out the other side. Sure. So, um, oh, I mean, my PhD journey probably started many, many years before. In Love my, that. Well, my dad did a PhD while I was oh. growing up, so I vividly remember him doing it. Um, nice. And him doing it while he was trying to work full-time and had four kids and my mom diligently and very helpfully she was an English teacher so she uh, proofread the entire thesis which was on a uh, container transportation management Blimey. <laughs> so, yeah very different field from mine um and as it turned out my dad in the end we were meant to graduate um, the same year because I went to John Moore's for my undergraduate where he did his PhD um, and unfortunately um he ended up graduating the year after, so we didn't quite meet up. But in so- to some extent, though, I really felt like he deserved that day to be his own. Because right. The right. work he had put into it, I right. was actually, you know, he deserved to own that day fully. <laughs> so I that like that. Um, you warmed so, it up for him. You warmed up the stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was very fortunate that um, I was aware sort of of what a PhD was and I had that contact um with it but I um had a very different career trajectory um I was freelance theatre director for a very long time um I qualified as a teacher so I'd done sort of um I'd had my own career route and then um I was doing a lot of intercultural theatre work and I realized that when people were criticizing my work I actually didn't have the tools or framework to really intellectually deconstruct their argument and justify the worth of what I was doing, even though I knew it was worthy. And on that basis, that was what really drove me to want to actually undertake a PhD study because I was to an extent doing quite complicated work that was... um, sort of contributing to knowledge I suppose contributing to the arts and I wanted I thought well you know if I'm doing this work anyway actually I can do it properly if I undertake structured PhD with it and it will make me better and it'll help me to publish and everything so that was why in the end I decided to um to undertake a PhD that all sounds very straightforward it actually wasn't at all because Mm. um Mm. throw into it that I'm severely dyslexic um 
Right. I uh, wasn't invited back to my school to do A-levels. Um, you know, I've always had an incredibly difficult relationship with writing. Um, and so going back to doing that was not an easy thing for me to do by any stretch of the imagination no, also no. my second daughter was six months old when I started my what? PhD. so uh, yeah I was breast I was breastfeeding in my first supervision meeting so um yeah and then I I had very I sort of did it slightly the wrong way around in that I didn't know what the practical project was going to be because my PhD was 50% plus uh, practice-led research sorry right. it was practice-led research but 50% of my thesis was practice based got you got you um and so I knew the construction um which is unusual for a PhD normally you go into it and you don't really have a clue you look for the gap and then fill it I came to it slightly differently um but I I suppose in that basis because I had a clear structure relatively early on mm. That was kind of beneficial because I had a very, very clear direction with it. And I did know what the expectation was in terms of what the outcome might be, um, which was helpful, especially yeah. because um, when I was just about it was the day before. So I spent I remember I spent Christmas 2014, 15 desperately trying to write up my um upgrade 10,000 word upgrade chapter mm. over Christmas um that was a nightmare because EndNote kept crashing and scrambling all of the hundreds of citations so don't oh, use that folks blimey. my takeaway use the zero am I allowed to do product placement <laughs> I, I feel like I need to do a BBC moment of yeah. like other oh, products are available, but... available they are but they're all rubbish use the zero there you go um, that would be my advice um, there you and go. it's That's great, and it's great. <laughs> yeah. my personal opinion is um, my husband who bless him three times had to unscramble it all it was, it was oh, hell yeah. um so we got that we uploaded that and that was because at that time there was no facility for me to upload the practice element of it so right. even though most of my field work at that point had been practice led I the way um the upgrade worked is it had to be a 10,000 word written section even though the research I'd done wasn't written it Got was you. practice Got you. so I had to sort of really scramble together to get that done over that Christmas um did that was due to have my um the, the accompanying vibe I think in the February and then two days before I um started to feel a little bit unwell um people may remember that I think it was that time where the um the bird flu pandemic hit um I it got to me having a chat with my supervisor the day before um I to this day have no idea what I said to her because by the time I came off that call uh, my husband took my temperature my temperature was 42 degrees I Good was utterly grief. delirious I was saying to my friends I'm not sure I can drive to Leeds for my 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 exam could somebody give me a lift to Leeds and they're like Amy you can't lift your head off the desk I'm not sure you're going to be going to Leeds I'm like I've got my Viber I have to go to Leeds and they're like okay so in the end, yes, I was take, duly taken to hospital. My poor husband had to ring my supervisor the next morning and go, um, Amy's got flu A and she's been hospitalised. She's not going to be able to make it today. Mm. Um, 
And I was really poorly. And because of how ill I was, I ended up spending a week in hospital with flu. Um, and then I did end up having to take a six month break because it took me that long to recover from it. Because I'd actually recovered from sepsis having had my daughter as well. Oh, so physically, I was really poorly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did need to take that break. However, because of the structure of my thesis, I had three big chunks of field work. Um, and those big chunks of field work were giving me the vast majority of my data. So what it meant was that because of where my illness fell whilst I took a break, I was still able to do sort of thinking and reading and that sort of thing, which I did. I've recovered as well. I'm not in any way um, mm. saying you ought to use your recovery time to carry on working. I'm not. Right, right, right. right, I, right, right. I, I, and, and also the other thing to say is that um, there's this tendency to say you must be working 24-7. Well, I had two young children. I had yeah. to do work and everything. I couldn't do that. I had to be extremely good at managing my time. And I was very good at managing my time. I worked incredibly hard but that did not mean that I was working all out every single day seven days a week for the entire duration of my PhD because it doesn't always work like that you need gaps and you need thinking time and that time is incredibly valuable downtime is extremely important um, and as much it's as much of a part of the process of consolidating your work as sitting reading getting the new knowledge so this idea of constant working is neither healthy nor actually very productive. Um, and so, you know, I took my gap, but because of the way my PhD was structured, actually, I still completed within three years. Um, that was because I was just incredibly good at managing my time. I, um, I didn't hang around. The best advice I got from anybody is that they, you know, do a PhD quickly and that the best PhD is a finished PhD. And that is true. You know, no PhD can be perfect because knowledge is by definition not perfect. And if you're in sort of the humanities like I am, you're largely dealing with people and people move, people change, the world moves on. So you can never be perfect. But what you have to do is really get to a point where you've managed to meet the expectations of the scope of this piece of work as best you can. You've been able to answer the questions you were interested in to an extent that actually that means that the work is valuable and has something useful to add and to say. But there comes a point when you need to step away from it because the world changes and the research moves on in a different direction. And that's okay. Okay, so we all need Amy on speed dial now, right? Because this is golden. This is so golden in terms of what you just said there, in terms of the best PhD is a finished PhD and this sense of what comes through so clearly and what you're, the way you're speaking is about the project management, managing of it. Okay, I've got this work here. This will work. This this is this. I'm going to set this up for that. Okay, that's in place. I can come back to that. And it that sense of working on the PhD, kind of stepping out and managing, um, as well as kind of getting in and getting busy with the, with the detail, I think is so important. And that message of, yeah, get it done. It's a project to be done. I, I love is, it. I love it. It is a project to be done. And I think it's okay to desire time when you're not doing it. That's yes. fine. That doesn't make you a bad academic. That makes yes, you yes, yes. But also, yes. 
I would say as well, I was I was incredibly fortunate in that I I had my super I had my supervisor, but I also had um, and this is where it links to uh, the Women in Academia Support Network to an extent as well. Um, in that, I also had my team around me. So I had yes. my dad, who was able to really really help with um, sort of structuring things. I mean, I've got a great photograph of my entire sort of all of the um, uh, paragraphs of my thesis along our whole hallway. Because I'm dyslexic, I tend to work better in hard copy. So everything is in this great long line all the way down the hallway. And that is the <laughs> that was the structure of my written thesis, but I had to see it in order. Yes, 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 <laughs> um, yes, yes. And so he helped me do that. And, um, you know, my husband was amazing in that I find I, at that time, went through periods of finding actual writing and typing incredibly difficult. And so he would type and I would dictate. Um, he took me through those very difficult dark patches um, that I know I'm not allowed to swear. Um, <laughs> Please so do not swear. No, I won't. There's something called that's well known as the phenomenon in PhD uh in your write-up stage called, that's called the valley of sh um asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> and um and i was well and truly in there and when i was mm. in there i had my team who were able to just keep me going a little bit and it just keeping going a little bit even when oh, honestly i mean i sound like i breathed through mine that is not no true no, at no. all it was it was hideous it, yeah. uh, there were times when it was unbearably awful and it was just soup and it was a mess and I didn't know what I was doing and I couldn't make it work and I couldn't afford to keep going and it was taking me completely away from my children I was just oh I've been through some awful times with it however I just kept telling myself that I'm this time is going to pass anyway and either I can push through having got to this stage now and go I've submitted a thesis it might be the worst thesis in the world but you know what I've done it yes or I can walk away and that work's been it's all been for nothing so I would I've got anyone who gets to the point of going you know I'm just gonna hand it in I don't care what even if I get major major corrections if I get an MPhil it's fine I handed it in that's huge but also I do if you really get to the point where it is so monumentally damaging to an aspect of your life either financially or your family or your mental health to walk away from it that I really respect people who can do that too I really really do and it's about you making sure you retain some control over it because it is very easy to allow it to control you and it will try and control you and the system will try but you have to remember that you are at the center of all of this and that you have to make it work for you. Oh, um, but see, get this your is... team together. <laughs> get your yes. team together because they'll help to keep you grounded. They will help you. You don't write a big PhD thesis. You do little bits at a time and eventually the whole thing comes together to be a great big book. But it doesn't start like that and you don't write it like that. It's little achievable goals and that's true. Genius, little bits at a time, little bits at a time. Um, oh, there's so much good stuff in there. Um, so, 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 what what I want to kind of get to now is the is the bit that you the bit that you mentioned because again, what your story is is a lot about is about life happens. Life doesn't stop because you are doing a PhD. You you still have little people to care for. You still get poorly. Or, you know things around you happen. You know things. The washing still needs to be done. All of that. Um, 
And so life happened to you in, in, in a big way during that journey. And you did have to take some time out. Um, and then you, you, what happened in there was some magic. Um, and we, we wanted to kind of focus on that. So this sense of you, you'd already talked about the way that actually that break allowed you thinking time as well as getting better time, although the getting better what has to be the priority, as we've already said. But also coming out of that time was this Women in Academia Support Network. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about that. So what I would also say, just to backtrack just a tiny little bit, the thing that also kept me going was that the type of research I was doing was incredibly collaborative. And I was incredibly fortunate in that the people who I created the work with were enormously generous with their mm. stories, their time mm. and their expertise. And actually, for all of the trials and tribulations that I was going through to write it up, I did feel a strong sense of responsibility towards yes. honouring the yes. time and commitment that they had seen in me to give up their own time to support my this work. And that really did keep me going because it was something, it, while I'm just almost contradicting what I've just said, in terms of the project management, yes, it was about me and I had to control it. But with that comes a responsibility. And my yes. responsibility was to the participants and the colleagues who had worked so hard with me and who believed in the work. And that had to be respected. And I did everything I could to ensure that I kept myself healthy and grounded to be able to honour the work. And that was very important to me. Um it is really important and to, and to remember that. And I think it's that's motivational for so many people. It's like th this work is for those people. I dedicate yeah. it to it. And in fact, some people I, I know have a practice that every time they sit down at the computer, they dedicate that working session to whoever or whichever group. So that it's really motivational and it's there very much in your, in, in your consciousness and how gorgeous that that helped, that that really was a very important part of your story. Well, I think it's a healthy boundary because, yes, yeah. it's about you to get the PhD, but also it is a form of work yeah. and you are working. And so if you define yourself solely by your work, then that's unhealthy because actually you're in a position of responsibility and you need to behave professionally. And to behave professionally means that you need to problem solve the things that come up, you know, in your life and everything you have to problem solve in a professional way. And some things are really awful and really difficult, but you have to deal with it. My dad was diagnosed with um, prostate cancer um, in amongst all of this as well. Oh, and yeah, I was yeah. determined. I was like, my dad's going to see me graduate. <laughs> right. So I need right. to get on with this and right. do it quickly. Right. And I right. did. And he did. And he's absolutely fine now. We were very fortunate. But those things... I was lucky in that I was able to have, uh, I had a lot of support, family support, and bring us on to Wizen. I had um, I had the support of another network. Um, yes, yes. Unfortunately, that other network kind of, <laughs> this other network slightly fell apart, which was what led to the birth of Wizen. Um, I set it up with six other academics, just thinking I need some friends to get me through my PhD. So I'm going to set this up and I want a place where, women are able to speak freely with the absolute assumption they don't have to contextualize everything within the framing of not all men we mm. know that men are wonderful I have so many amazing men in my life they're fabulous and, and they are but they do still have the benefits of the patriarchy yes. and yes. 
I need a space where we can be critical of that without having to bookend everything with, but we know not all men. We know yes, that. Yes, so let's yes, just yes, free yes. ourselves of the, that emotional labor. We're mature enough to know that. We need a space where we can talk about the challenges and problems of these things and work out how we can find solutions to create a much more equitable um, landscape. And so it was really interesting. We started with just six of us and we invited a few other friends who were colleagues and that turned into about 500 people, which turned into about 2,000 people. And while I was writing up my thesis, I was also sat there because at that point we knew we had to keep it as some sort of safe space and people were asking to join. So we were ending up having to Google them to see if they were really academics. And at one point we had like hundreds of people every weekend that we were having to do this for. And we're like, oh my God, it became this thing that we had never envisaged. But part of that was because my philosophy is um and always <laughs> and has been since I saw this film there's a little known Robin Williams film that's very underrated but it's wonderful that my daughter used to be obsessed with and it's called Robots and in that the um, main character has a catchphrase called see a need fill a need mm-hmm. and that was what I did with Wisen and I saw a need because I had no money. I wasn't part, um, associated with an institution. Knew I was going as soon as I graduated. I was going to fall out of the institution. So what did I do then? Um, and so where was my support network? And I couldn't afford to pay. And I worked actually with a lot of communities globally who didn't have the money to even to pay monthly subscriptions or anything like that. And so we were like, well, we could do this and set it up like the NHS, you know, free at the point of need. What would that look like? And we've ended up with nearly 15,000 global mm. members. We're huge. And it was it was Wisin that helped me get through my PhD without any shadow of a doubt. And I know that it has now helped many hundreds, maybe even thousands of people not only get through PhD, but get into PhD too. It is because such that's important. It is such an amazing community. Amazing community. And um people as you said people can reach out for all sorts of things and um and there will be some smart person there who's able to answer the question um with generosity of spirit and solidarity and uh, it, it is it is an amazing space um and so thank you for that thank you on behalf of all the members because it is awesome an awesome space that um and you can feel that is heartfelt in there and comes from the heart it's amazing but it's also, not only me. I just want to say it's not only yes, me that we're on yes, the yes, yes. Kelly, Kelly Pickard Smith, there's um, Eleonora Bielfury, who are my co-admin, um, but also our other moderators as well, who do a huge amount of work. The conference committee, because when you have the conference, there's lots of people doing an enormous amount of work to support the network. So, just big recognition to all of them. We love a shout out. We love a shout out here, um, and we will have the de- we will have the details of the community in the in the show notes. People people sure. um, would like to join. Um, but I think I think what we wanted to to really c- kind of a- a- attend to in this, as well as kind of celebrating that community and letting people know that it exists, is that that came out of an interruption. And I think because interruptions in in study can feel like, oh my goodness, this shouldn't be happening. This isn't the you know that actually magic can happen in that and and, and the, the this sense of having space and to be able to do that thing see to fill the need to be able to take time to attend to yourself and therefore others in that um and I think there's a message in that too in terms of 
um, looking for you for your support then led to support for thousands and thousands of other people yeah. I think that the kind of attending to the magic of taking time really mm. and I think there's something to be said for trying to really see what is happening in front of you mm. because I am not somebody who is naive enough to say, oh, you can solve anything. You know what? (laughs) Right, right. You can solve solve a lot of things. You really, really can. And sometimes you can work really hard and solve some really, really hard things. But you know what? There are things in life that are not solvable Mm. and that sometimes you do need to go, that is simply not solvable and I have to walk away. And you know Mm. what? That is okay. And Mm. I have immense respect for the people who are able to do that because mm. it's really hard mm. um and it's a very underrated um thing you know we respect the people who get to the end but actually there's an enormous amount of people who have the courage to not get to the end and that's yeah. a choice and that's important yeah um and but it's I do like- think Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, it is that thing of like, really, as you say, attending to your story. What do you need in this moment? What's important for you? Um, Not in a a kind of selfish way, but this sense of attending to really what is going on. Because if you don't, that ends up having all sorts of impact. Mm. Um, So it's, as you say, it's so important to really be very honest with yourself, actually. And as well to really recognise what's happening right now. Yeah. So I didn't, you know, sort of five, six years ago when I was sort of completing my PhD and Wizen was in its very early stages, I didn't plan for it to be where it is right. now yeah. or that I yeah. am where I am now. Yeah. I had an idea of the things that interested me and the things that I thought were valuable and that I wanted to achieve, but I didn't know or have any guarantees with any of it but what I was able to do was look at the reality of what I had now and try and build incrementally on what I had and then build some more and build some more and I've had to I've taken quite an odd career trajectory I was an an RA um, in a school of science and engineering for nearly four years which is very different from my background Uh, uh, because the reality of doing a postdoc is that they're very few and far between and you take what what you're able to secure so it does look a bit weird on my cv but that's the reality that I was in because I had children to feed so you know I'd love to have a direct career trajectory but that just isn't the reality for people anymore and the more we can normalize that the more we normalize having children the more we normalize illness chronic illness disability the fact that actually is there you know this idea that um you know quality diversity inclusion you know I see statements a lot saying oh we've got more diverse student bodies now more diverse staff body etc actually to an extent diversity of different types was always there it's just we didn't talk about it we didn't acknowledge it Um, we didn't talk about mental illness we didn't talk about disability chronic illness or anything like that and actually I'm fully aware that uh, you know we have very white very middle class um, very ableist structures and we still do but diversity to an extent was there but it wasn't talked about so now we really need to also understand that what we're doing now is really trying to give voice and space to new people 
to bring people in but also there was an element of diversity there which was ignored which was downgraded which was invisibilized Mm. and so you know it's really really important to acknowledge that um there have always been disabled people working it's just we didn't talk about them or give them space or voice (laughs) and so you know now it's fantastically important that we keep having these conversations albeit progress is so slow exactly and it comes back to that sense of seeing what's in front of you isn't it seeing what's really there working with what's really there oh Amy I love it well this this is the thing everybody has needs and I do so wish that when you fill out those forms when you're applying for a job or when you're new in post um sort of do you have any reasonable adjustments that you need all that sort of stuff which is okay it's important everybody has needs this is the thing everybody has needs what you need is a blank piece of paper saying everyone has needs you might be able-bodied but have a really terrible financial situation you might be caring for somebody else you might be a cisgendered middle-class white man who might also have a terrible um struggle with a mental health need everybody has a need everybody Mm. and I really, really hope that one day we will move to that understanding of that everybody has a need. So how can we meet that? But then that would take away what's so isolating and that you feel like you have lots of needs and you're really struggling and nobody else is because it's not true. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. As I say, we we do need you on speed dial. This is important. But, uh, but I, I think that that's what this podcast is all about. It's like everybody, and I love it. You Even you said it today. I did my PhD the wrong way around. Everybody, everyone does their PhD in their own way. Exactly. And, and, and lots of people spend their time thinking, I'm not doing this properly because I'm doing it like me. And it's like, you are totally doing it properly. If you're doing it your way, totally. Yeah. Um, Right. I'm aware of time now because I am. So, I'm also very aware that I could talk to you for so much longer and hopefully we'll have lots of more conversations. Um, uh, and so I'm going to do my reductive thing in terms of saying, Amy, there's just been so much gold in here. And now I'm going to ask you for a top tip or top tips to, to just finish up with um, for people to take away. Yep. Uh, put your own oxygen mask on first. I love it. And also Vitero. And also (laughs) Satero. I will die on that hill. And, and is it a coincidence that you have a Tiro t-shirt? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and I happen to be on commission for them now. I, I accept no brand placement. <laughs> well, Amy, thank you so, so much. As I say, thank you for being here today. Thank you for all the amazing work that you have done and and um, and I know continue to do. And I know you've got big plans for, for where, where things are going and that is exciting. Um, thank you so much for, for your time and your generosity of spirit. Um, and that's a pleasure and I was just going to say I'm always very happy for people to email me okay playing it forward is so I was helped so much and it is massively fundamental to me that I received help and I took help but that I play that forward and give that to others coming up so please I'm very happy for anyone to get in touch with me amazing and as I say we'll have all the details in the in the show notes Thank you so much, Amy, and thank you all for listening.